Nobody talk over the air horns. Morning. God, I love those sounds. Welcome to Don't Feed the Artists. This is my episode. No one talks over me today because I'm having audio problems. It's just me talking today, and I'm Hagen. I'm Dave. (laughs) (laughs) I'm Adam. We're just being cautious today. And I'm Jackson, and I took my cat to the vet yesterday, and the vet told me that I am too skinny and I need to eat more. Oh, wait. I mean my cat. Jokes. (laughs) Jokes. <laughs> and you said, are you sure? And they said, we're positive. You know, Got this em. isn't just Jackson. This isn't just, you know, Jackson normal. This is Jackson with glasses. And God damn, does Jackson with glasses look good. I like a Jackson with glasses. Looks wonderful, man. Yeah, it looks great. Looks real smart. Yeah, I'm pre- prepping for the new Rick and Morty season to come out in the near future. And uh, my IQ is going to boost <laughs> incredibly. <laughs> I don't typically wear sunglasses, but I played a lot of video games today. So uh, these are blue light glasses. I'm oh. very, uh, I'm sensitive. My eyes get very dry, and I start to, I start to cry when I look at screens too much. Do you oh. wear contacts? I do not. I have oh. 20/20 vision, so I don't think I would need them. Must oh. be nice. Yeah, get some fucking blue light contacts, you loser. I wonder if they make those. If they don't, you should. And I'm going to trademark that. This episode needs to start. Dave, <laughs> why don't you start us out on a wonderfully high note? Uh, or, wait, give me a woof woof. No, oh, I'm not going to do that. Um, <laughs> what? <laughs> Earl Simmons, a.k.a. DMX, which stands for Dark Man X, uh, passed away last week very unfortunate he was a very well-known rapper um i guess you could say he was a gangster rapper is he a gangster rapper i mean kind of he had some pretty violent lyrics um but yeah a lot of people are celebrating his life unfortunately he passed away from an accidental drug overdose we know that he struggled with addiction for quite a while yeah i don't know if they've uh, like officially said that but i know that it's been an apparent drug overdose is what triggered a heart attack. And because of the heart attack, he was rushed to the hospital, was placed on life support for a while for the better part of a a whole week. I think April 2nd is when he went into the hospital and he uh, actually was taken off life support on April 9th. And yeah, I I don't think they've officially said it, but it's kind of assumed. I believe that it was a, a drug overdose that caused that. Um, but when it comes to DMX, I mean, uh, we all know the song X going to give it to you. Yeah. But there, I was listening to his music, you know, after he passed away and saying, oh, did I know more stuff or is it really just that song that I know? And, you know, I was actually shocked by the amount of stuff that I knew and listened to some interviews. And, you know, he was a really interesting guy because as Dave, Dave said, he had some aggressive lyrics, but he kind of talked about, you know, how he would get critiques of his lyrics and saying like, Oh, why are you always talking about this kind of stuff? And why don't you ever write something happy? And he was saying, Oh, who wants to be happy all the time? Like that, (laughs) that would suck. Like, I know it sounds dumb, but do you truly want to be happy 100% of the time music? And he would say stuff like music should, you should be able to listen to the music that tailors to your mood. If you want to be mad, listen to a specific song. If you want to be happy, if you want to, you know, beat someone up, that kind of thing. And, you know, I'd I, I like that sentiment. His music definitely got people pumped up. But the interesting thing was, and I've, I've always wanted to do this, and I finally did it. The day that he passed away, I took a screenshot uh, just on Spotify of the amount of monthly listeners he had. And the day of his passing, it was 7,347,420. Now, th- we're recording this five days after his passing, and it's up to 12,081,860. So it jumped quite a bit. So I, this was something I used to be ashamed of, but I've now come around to it and I'm okay with it. But I used to, whenever you would find out 
the the big instance that I have is David Bowie. I never listened to David Bowie before he died. And then when he died, I really went into it and I was like, okay, I guess I should give Bowie a, a try. And I used to be ashamed of that and would never tell anyone. But I'm just curious, do you guys, I mean, Hagen, do you have any instances where like, you know, an artist died and that's how you got into them? Uh, no. And I, I feel like, I feel like you can go both ways with it. I think like Jackson, you're, you're, you going and listening to DMX after his passing or, or, or in David Bowie's case, I think that a lot of times it's, um, I mean, it, it's, it's all good intention, you know, like you want to listen to their music. It's sad. They passed. I think my biggest like takeaway from those numbers, unfortunately, maybe it's because, uh, I, I just, I, the internet upsets me is that like, I'll, I think a lot of people went and listened to DMX for like clout basically. Right. And they wanted to put in, in their Instagram stories, you know, that they were like rest in peace King. Yeah. And it, it's one of those things that's like, that's totally fine. To, I don't want to ever take so like, you know, if someone tr- like feels that way, of course that's, that's what, you know, feel that way. I, it's more of just like, it's hard for me to see that line. Some of the time it's like, are you doing this for for your internet clout for uh you know to be part of the whole thing that's happening right now or are you doing this because you truly are you know maybe sad or just are like you know oh I never listened to his music while he was alive and I, I should listen to his music I, I should I should pay my respects and listen to his music either way I, I have never truly I've never experienced that myself with someone's passing that I can think of um but uh, I, I I mean, I was tempted to go listen to some DMX, um, but I, I, I was, I, I second, I second guessed myself. So I was like, am I being that person? Is that what I'm doing right now? Right. Yeah. I mean, I, I, I got that way with David Bowie. I mean, I, I knew his singles, like we talked about when we did the, the Bowie episode, but Black Star really floored me, I think because of how it coincided with his death. Yeah. And that's a little bit weirder too. Cause that album came out right before he died. So. Yeah. There's also that angle of like it was a new album, so it makes sense that people were going to listen to that. I think for me, the only example I can think of is when Prince died. I was like revisiting Prince for the first time in a while because I hadn't listened to anything, I don't know, in the last couple of years before that. So, well, and you know, I, I would say that a, a ton of these, you know, really huge or iconic names that have passed away, and then I get into them like that, that's been a lot of my stories like even a more recent example was david berman of the silver jews and then he also released a record under the name purple mountains that is an artist where i listened to it his music after he passed away and he passed away tragically he took his own life and now i listen to his music and it is like completely in the like scope of how he died it's a similar thing with elliot smith where i it's really hard for me to take that away which sucks because i knew a lot of people who were into silver jews and they just you know they had a totally different experience than me and then i think like this past week i've been uh watching a lot of radiohead concerts on youtube and i started to think man i know i mean just statistically i probably will see most if not all of them pass away in my lifetime and like Tom York specifically and I really don't want my perspective of Radiohead's music to flip when he passes away which would I mean and maybe it'll flip for the better but that would be a bummer to me but I guess that's when you get into the whole like art is fluid it should never be the same thing I can't remember what it was. There was something before DMX passing that happened recently, and I can't remember who, what, what, which artist it was. But it kind of got me thinking about um, the passing of the passing of artists that I love, and I, I I'm very curious how I'll react. Like I, I think that you know now I'm thinking about it, and I'm like, oh man, I'll be sad when 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 Dave Grawl passes. But uh, I mean. I say I'll be sad, but I might like take the day off work. Like it could just totally ruin me. I I, I have no idea. And so that's why it's like kind of tricky. Like that's why I feel kind of weird. Like I ever hating on someone for listening to an artist after they pass, because it's like, it's not my, it's not my fucking place to do that one. And two, like, I don't know what someone else is feeling. I mean, you, you love an artist so much and they pass, of course you're going to feel something. Um, but yeah, it's 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 a weird ground. It's a very weird. Like we 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 know these people, but don't know these people. It's a very strange thing. 
Right, and you don't. It's it's not like we're trying to gatekeep and say yeah. like, hey, if you're listening to DMX now, you're you're just like a you're a poser, you're a total poser. But it is it is curious, and it's honestly very unfortunate that these artists that end up becoming legendary artists sometimes get overlooked until they die. That's just a sad. It's tragic, you know. And it happens with actors. It definitely, I would say like, I'd be curious to think about um, Robin Williams. You know, all the movies that he's done and how that changed people's perspective on those movies and things like that his death really kind of messed me up yeah i think that's a great example because you know he's a comedian and a majority of his films were funny and it completely like as i'm saying with elliot smith i can't listen to elliot smith's music without thinking of how you know tragic his life seemed but he probably had a lot of good days mixed in with the bad and now a lot of people look at Robin Williams' uh, comedy and think, wow, he was a tortured soul. And maybe that's accurate, but maybe it also wasn't. So, Right. Yeah. You know, let, let's get out of this for a bit. I, I think it's a good discussion, but I, I, I don't want to bring down the whole episode. I, I have a couple light topics. Uh, just uh, We can breeze through them and little palate cleansers and then go into uh, we got a couple more beefy uh, news articles, I will say. So my first one is... This, I mean, I really don't know how to say this other than I'll just read the headline. <laughs> Cannibal Corpse's singer, Corpse Grinder, that's his name, hung out with Cher, who told him, I was metal before you were born. So really the whole thing of this, if you've never listened to Cannibal Corpse, it's exactly what it sounds like. It's just like 90s death metal. And you just would never see this pop icon hanging out with Corpse Grinder. But apparently what happened was uh, her son is in a somewhat notable uh, metal band and was a fan that's his favorite band is cannibal corpse said hey will you play on our uh or play at our or my birthday party and so he decided corpse grinder was going to fly in a couple days early hang out and and you know just hang out with his wife and then he hung out with the guy uh ended up at Cher's house and they were just hanging out and then he met Cher. and then when they went to the show you know for the guy's birthday Cher was there and he went up to her after the show and said, I am so sorry that you had to listen to Cannibal Corpse. And she said, no, I actually really like it. I was actually more, I've been metal uh, since before you were born. (laughs) Corpse Grinder said, I just got owned by Cher. Really nothing too much to uh, say there other than that's just a, a weird clash of worlds that I never expected to see. Yeah, I like the idea of him walking up to her and, and her going, uh, he, he's like, hi, hi, Cher, can I call you Cher? And she's like, yeah, uh, Grinder or Mr. Grinder or Corpse. <laughs> um, which one do you want to go? And he's like, what's his, do we know his real name? I'm sure we do, but, but yeah, I'm not going to read it out loud out of disrespect. That awkward <laughs> exchange. And I, I love when older artists like that are like, hey, listen, I've been a badass for a long time before you were even born. It reminds me of when um, Freddie Mercury was talking about Sid Vicious. And he was like, Sid Vicious, what is that? And he's like, I I want to see I want to meet that guy in the alleyway or something like that. He's like, I'll beat him <laughs> up. Or um when Queens of the Stone Age, when they were recording, I think like Clockwork, was it, Hagen? With Elton John on the record. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. He called yeah. Elton John called Josh Hom and was like, you know, the only thing you're missing on this record is a real queen. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's great. I just love that stuff. What was also really funny is whenever Corpse Grinder and his wife were at Cher's house, apparently Cher wasn't there immediately. She was out shopping, and then she showed up while they were hanging out, and his wife starts, like, nudging him and is like, oh, my God, that's Cher. And he turned around and goes, oh, that's cool. And then in the interview, he says, you know, I think Cher is cool and all, but I'm not, like, awestruck by her. Like, if I saw King Diamond, I'd be awestruck. But <laughs> it was Cher. I was just like, man, you just had to say that. You had to have your metal clout. Yeah. I mean, can you blame him? I, I would no, freak I, out if I, I saw Cher. I would freak out. I wonder if uh, someone like Corpse Grinder could even recognize King Diamond because King Diamond doesn't walk around with that face Yeah, I was going to say. Yeah. If you've seen King Diamond without his makeup, I mean, he just looks like an old... European dude. <laughs> oh, that's great. It's a great story. Honestly, it's one of those uh one of those things where it's like fuck the metal scene. Like 
<laughs> like, uh, man, Cannibal Corpse, you're like important to the metal scene, but like, uh, that's, I, I, that's like, where it Kind of, kind of, kind of being a, a like a little, a little bit funny and a little bit of a dick here. I'm like, oh god damn it, man. But I, I do, I do love that. Like he's just hanging out at Cher's house because like he's like the 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 guy loves Cannibal Corpse. So he's like, yeah, just come hang out, just come hang out. It's it's it's, it's a really cool little like cross path story. Yeah, and I, I will end this little you know news article with two little fun facts about. Uh, corpse grinder if you've never seen him by the way he has this like huge neck he's one of those dudes who's just like no neck just all head and really big dude and um so that's fun fact number one and the second fun fact is he is part of one of my favorite youtube videos on the internet and if you listen to this podcast enough you'll uh get to hear all of my favorite youtube videos i'll just slowly trickle them out for you that's for the 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 steady listeners thank you for listening but this is one of them uh he has this uh, video where he talks about when he's on tour this is corpse grinder when he's on tour one of his favorite things to do is he finds a target he gets an uber or if he can walk to it but he gets off the tour bus gets to that target and he shops the in caps which always have like the sale items and he said Target shopping is one of his favorite things to do. It's his favorite thing to do and relax at the end. And they follow him and he he finds like this like Star Wars Lego set. And it's just so weird seeing this huge metal dude get really excited (laughs) in a Target. But then I thought about it. I was like, you're stuck on a tour bus with these guys all the time. And then, you know, that's got to be, you know, jarring and like, you know, tiresome. And then a Target, if you've ever been to a Target in New York City, and a targeted in Texas, they are relatively the same. So that's got to be kind of like it keeps you level. So go watch that video. It's amazing. Yeah, I'd love to check that out. <laughs> so I got uh, one more little uh, tiny tidbit. This is another fun one. But you guys remember Lemmy from Motorhead. This is uh, another one of those uh, artists who passed away. And just a notable one, you know, talking about these icons that we're going to see pass away, unfortunately. But... Lemmy was one of those crazy dudes, and he was just always known to party up until the day he passed away. Yeah, like his his doctor told him that he shouldn't stop drinking. Yeah, I think that's true. Yeah. yeah. So he died at the age seventy in twenty fifteen. He died of prostate cancer and cardiac arrhythmia and congestive heart failure. Listed three causes of death apparently. So. Sad that he passed away, but he, he kind of just lived his life the way he wanted until he passed away. And then, apparently this week, it was one of his last wishes that when he was cremated, that he would have his ashes put inside bullets, and he would have those bullets sent out to some of his closest friends. And they you can look up the pictures of the bullets, so some of his friends have started to get those bullets now, like five years later after his death. And it's just a little bullet that apparently has his ashes in it instead of gunpowder. And it says Lemmy on it, which is the uh, just most Lemmy thing to do. He's like the Hunter S. Thompson of music is the best way I can explain this. Absolutely. I'll bet you, I'll bet you, well, I don't know if I'll bet on it, but I'd hope that Dave Grohl got one because I know they were close. And he, Dave Grohl did, his, did, did the eulogy at his funeral. Yeah, I feel like that entitles you to a bullet with his ashes in it. <laughs> if you're gonna be doing the eulogy then i think you get one i don't think there's a full list of who's gotten them and i don't really think that's something that you know dave grohl yeah is just gonna like out himself like guys i got one like like the willy wonka golden ticket kind of thing yeah i think i got a lemmy bullet (laughs) (laughs) i think dave grohl is more likely to quietly have it and then not tell anybody for a couple of years and then go, Oh, Hey, by the way, look yeah. what I found when I was moving. <laughs> look what I found when I was moving. I found the, <laughs> the little piece of master tape from, uh, that Foo Fighters record that they did that for. What was that? Which one was that? I don't what? remember. I don't remember. It's the one they recorded in their garage. Oh, so be wasting, oh, wasting light. light. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah the- well, I'm embarrassed. Yeah, you should be embarrassed. You really should. <laughs> You're not a Foo Fighters fan. Well, uh, Hagen, you wanna you wanna talk about your uh, piece of news, the one that 
is big and juicy. Dude, I'm like no pun intended. I am I I was overly heated at points today about this, and I I don't think I'm gonna stop being heated for a while. I've been upset about this since since it started. Um, so uh, the thing I'm gonna talk about today. Uh, and I, I, I want to talk about it more in greater detail at another point in time, but I want to talk about Lil Nas X's uh, song Montero, parentheses, Call Me By Your Name. So uh, Lil Nas X released this single a couple weeks ago, and um, it has a lot of controversy because of the music video, uh, the, the contents of the music video. Now, if you have not seen the contents of the music video, spoiler alert, it ends with him uh, pole dancing what you think is up to heaven, but then he ends up going down to hell and giving Satan a lap dance, killing Satan, and then becoming Satan. Now, you could probably guess why some people are upset about that. Uh, I, personally, I think that's pretty dumb to be upset about it, uh, but whatever, it's fine. Um, that's a different conversation, I suppose, but what happened today is that uh, on multiple streaming services, people were trying to listen to the song, and the song wasn't working. You couldn't play it. You could not play the song on Spotify, on Apple Music, on YouTube. Um, so it was working for some people. It wasn't working for others. So this is bringing up a whole new level. Oh, and before before I really go deep into it, uh, he tweeted out multiple things about, like, not even, he said, not even joking, everybody stream Call Me By Your Name uh hard today because it may no longer be available tomorrow and there's nothing I can really do about it. Thanks for all the support though. Um, and in a later tweet, he said that he was going to upload it to Pornhub exclusively <laughs> because, uh, because he couldn't put it anywhere else. And Pornhub retweeted it and was like, we support, yeah, we're here for you. We got you. We got you. Yeah. They said they were honored. Yeah. By the way, I don't think uh, he could do that unless he has an official verified Pornhub account. Well, um, you know, I, I, guess, I guess he does. <laughs> I'd love to know. I'm sure they'd figure that why out. Why Jackson knows that. <laughs> or, Whoa, sorry, this was I, a huge controversy. I wouldn't love to know why Jackson knows that. I would love to Yo, know that. Okay, wait, wait, wait. I so I, I got to clear my name. I got to clear my name before <laughs> this goes down. There was a huge issue on Pornhub. I believe it was at the end of last year. And this has always been an issue. They had a lot of bestiality Um underage uh, porn. So their way of handling that is they basically took off the function where anyone could post anything on there. So if you didn't have a verified account, if you weren't a verified uh, user, you could not post things. So it was an actual serious issue and that was one way to handle it. And it was very funny. Uh, there was a lot of platforms like Reddit who took this high and mighty route of like, ugh, I can't believe uh, Pornhub has these issues. It's like, shut the fuck up, Reddit. You have the same issues. Yeah, right. <laughs> yep. <laughs> Reddit has to constantly remove subreddits. Reddit um, has a lot of other issues too on top of yeah, that. So. Yeah. So, okay. So the there's a lot of issues with the song, right? So uh, people are upset about the lyrical content. People are upset about the music video. The, the lyrical content, the song is about um, basically Lil Nas X uh, liking another boy um, and it, it takes place kind of during quarantine and it's really it's like there's there's vulgar lyrics but like when have there not been vulgar lyrics in like pop songs in the last 20 years yeah it, this is just this is just written by a man for another man that's the key difference there right um, so people being upset about that you can get fucked if you're upset about the the Satan thing um, a really good point that I heard uh, someone else make was um, Lil Nas X's entire life as a gay man was told, you're going to hell. Uh, so he went to hell and people are upset about it. I mean, like, that's a that's a really, really great point to think about is that he he did what they wanted, what they keep saying is going to happen if you're gay and they're still pissed. It's like, what? And he killed Satan. They just yeah. want him to not do anything. Oh, they just like to, yeah, they want to complain and let him not do anything at all. Right. What's weird about this whole thing is I guarantee you a lot of people who are mad about this now are the same people who were gushing over Old Town Road when that came out. And they're like, whoa, this is so different. I love my country music, but like, here's a different thing. And I guarantee, and by the way, that song is gay as shit too. So oh, yeah. like, I mean, like <laughs> you have a bias. <laughs> 
there's a bunch of really great TikToks that are like joke TikToks of like people being like fake angry about the song and then it cuts away and they're like humming the song because it's stuck in their head. It is, <laughs> it, is, it is so fucking good. Um, so I guess I guess the real thing now is that it's, sl- it's silently being removed. No one's really talking about it. It's just silently being taken down. So I, I I was pretty angry about this because I, I'm sure like a number of people you just watched the, the the QAnon documentary series on HBO Max and there's a lot of talk about this freedom of speech thing because of the the chans. More or less, the generalized concept is that a lot of people who like do hate speech want like they want to have their platforms to talk the freedom of speech thing, um, and they get fucking butt hurt when their platform gets taken down. Lil Nas X wrote a fucking song and his music is being removed without anyone's like, without any reasoning, any explanation because Christians are upset because it's like, it's, it's, it's gay. I, I, I don't understand. It's super fucked up. And it's, it's like a very, very clear problem with like where the line is of what we like, what the internet can and can't or should or shouldn't censor. Right, and it, he released the Nike shoe with, uh, like, <laughs> s- it said, like, Lil Nas X, and then it said 666 oh, or something. Yeah, it's, yeah. it's yeah. yeah, so... And it had blood in it? It had so, blood in the shoe? If you're if you're upset about the shoe, the you should go look at that company that made it. You should go work they, for Nike if you're upset. Well, so they, they like, uh, so Nike's suing this company that made the shoe, right? Because they yeah. used a Nike shoe to make it. But this company, Mischief, that they, they've also made, like, a Christ shoe that has, like, a bunch of, like, uh, crosses on it. And it has, like, uh, a blue line on the sole. So it's like you're walking on water. And I think they put water in the sole just like they put blood in the, in the little Nas X shoe. It's like, Did they not put a Chick-fil-A logo on it? No, that was a, was so that, that was a, that was a spoof. That was a fake shoe that Lil Nas X made. That was like, uh, are you happy now? Are you ha- <laughs> this, if this exists? Are you happy now? <laughs> it, it, what's weird to me is I don't know why Nike is so mad about there being you know blood in this fake shoe. I mean, it's not like their shoes are free of blood. So you know, this Damn. one probably has way less blood. Yeah, I mean, the uh, the mischief stuff is more about. I know Nike's like tried to sue them before, and this was the high profile example that they could take them to court over which granted they settled right away because they didn't really care they just wanted some money from it yeah mischief's been doing this stuff for a couple years now i think of just doing crazy weird shit and trying to get lawsuits and offend people and stuff it's kind of great so going a little bit back into you know the actual music side of it just fyi at the time of recording this may change you know information moves fast nowadays but at the time of recording there are two articles that have been posted, one by BuzzFeed, so eh, and then the other one by Billboard saying that uh, they have sources that say it's not being, the song is not being pulled from streaming services, but that doesn't mean that there wasn't a situation where it was being pulled, and then they saw the backlash, and then they reversed it. We don't know all the facts yet. That could come from the label, it could come from, you know, the streaming services, who knows. I mean, it's kind of it'd be kind of weird to me if it was all the streaming services doing it and it didn't come from the label, but we have no idea, obviously. Yeah. In rooting for Lil Nas X in this scenario, the one thing that did kind of throw me off was uh, he posted something on his Twitter about complaining that the, complaining that people aren't taking the pandemic seriously, and then a couple of days later, a video was released of him having a full blown like what they were calling was a CD release party uh, or something, a single release party where nobody was being safe so at once i'm like man that sucks that he did that because i don't like when people are not being safe with the pandemic but on the other hand it's like not only are they shitting on him for all the other things but they're really just trying to bring him down and looking for any reason to get mad at this guy so he a really important thing to note is that he is really young um, so he, he talks about in the, in the, the, what is it? Genius does those, like those lyric breakdown videos. Right. So he talked about in that, in that video about how like the pandemic really fucked him up and how it was really hard to like go out and he was scared. And then when he finally did, he met this person and he was like very, um, uh, into this person and, and all the different things that came from that. 
But then at the same time, he also in this video talks about how he's blessed by God and then, you know, makes this music video. And I, 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 in neither way do I think that any of this is like super contradictory. I think that it's a young kid who got a lot of success trying to live his life and trying to figure it out. And uh, it's, it's a really tricky thing. I, I think that on, on, a, on a much larger scale, you know, it's really easy to, to, to find little things and break it down and go, well, Lil Nas X did this, so therefore, you know, whatever. That's what right. a lot of people are doing. But uh, it's really important to note that this is just... This is just people being angry that he's uh, that he's gay. He made a music video that was uh, uh, kind of a, it was it was it wasn't against Christian religion at all. It used a lot of imagery from it, and not at all in negative ways, just in like equal ways, you know. It just used it. Yeah. By the way, he kills the devil at the end. Spoilers. So you should be thankful, Christians. Yeah. Right. And the people that are <laughs> upset about him being gay are also upset about the fact that he's a black man making a lot of money. Yes. So it, right. it, there's too many levels well, here of just there's like... There's a lot of overlap in those two yeah. demographics. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, and yeah. talking about how young he is, I mean, we I don't think we've said it, but he is 21 years old, and he did an interview with Anthony Fantano, and I watched it, and he makes good points. Anthony Fantano asks him, hey, do you aim to be a queer icon? Is that like the trajectory you'd like, or was this just something that you wanted to release and you knew it would kind of have that, but you know, that's not necessarily like you don't want to be that person. You want to release whatever you want. And he said, the little Nas X said, Hey, I'm 21. I don't even know all the queer icons myself. So what I want is to be able to find out what I want in my career. I'm going to make mistakes. I don't even know my true identity yet, you know, as a person. So, you know, to say that I am going to like shape the world, who knows, maybe, but that's not what I'm setting out to do. I just, you know, release my music. So I thought that was a good point that, hey, he's 21 and, you know, he's going to make mistakes. Yeah. But this is not a mistake, what he has done. He literally has done nothing wrong. So um, I'll, I'll, we can we can finish up this topic. I have two things I want to I want to I want to say. Two things I want to read. So Columbia Records did tweet out six hours ago, as of when we're recording this. Um, Thanks for all your comments regarding Lil Nas X Montero. Uh, oh, by the way, Montero is his real name. So that's uh, like he named the song after himself. Call me by your name. It's like it's it's a really interesting little story. You should watch the genius video. Um, but they said it's unfortunately out of our control, but we are doing everything possible to keep the song up on streaming services. We will keep you up to date as we hear more. Thank you for understanding. So that's pretty weird to hear from Columbia Records yeah. about it. Yeah. And then the last thing is is um, he 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 wrote himself a letter. Uh, a little like a uh, like note on his phone um, for his 14 year old self. Um, and it's it's like it's beautiful. I want to read it just because it kind of just gives context more to who this person is. So he writes, "Dear 14 year old Montero, I wrote a song with our name in it. It's about a guy I met last summer. I know we promised to never come out publicly. I know we promised to never be quote unquote that type of gay person. I know we promised to die with the secret, but this will open doors for many other queer people to simply exist." You see, this is very scary for me. People will be angry. They will say I'm pushing an agenda. But the truth is, I am. The agenda to make people stay the fuck out of other people's lives and stop dictating who they should be, sending you love from the future. Beautiful. Yeah, it's beautiful. Absolutely beautiful. I, I mean, I might take this out, but you know what really makes me mad about this is if this song is truly being stricken from the records and being removed from these services... I mean, we literally on this show have covered bands and albums that are actually into Satanism and all this kind of stuff. And I know we'll maybe we'll dive into that in the future more, but you still have Burzum records on streaming. You still have these records by like actual people who have committed murder. And now you're literally just going to take it down for somebody who's existing. Yeah. It's fucked up it's super fucked yeah. up and we have and i mean again my biggest upset thing my, my, my biggest thing i'm big angry about is that the internet can't decide what they want to censor they they can't decide if it's like hate speech or if it's lil nas x and it's like it, it should be hate speech why are we even having this fucking con why are we thinking about this for a second like this shouldn't right. even be a fucking conversation lil nas x has done nothing wrong and hate speech is not instantly taken down and when it is people start crying 
Like all yeah, of the people, it's the same people that are upset that Lil Nas X is getting fame because through this song, are the same people who are upset when you know Morgan Wallen gets in trouble and they're like defending him and cancel culture, me me me. Fuck you, buddy. And uh, for the record, all of Charles Manson's discography is on Spotify. So we're this is definitely going to be a story that's gonna we'll talk about it next week some more. It's just gonna you know as it unfolds more and hopefully by next week all of this is smooth over and we have nothing but good things to report back but <laughs> now that we got uh hagen uh, nice and riled up Ugh, why so don't heated. we go ahead and so rile dave up dave do you want to rile yourself up or do you want me to rile you up dealer's uh, choice rile me up <laughs> all right rile so, me up daddy rile me up this is going to be a bit of a slow burn but i i don't think it'll shock anyone. I know, Hagen, you're probably gonna. You and I are about to brawl against Dave, so let's get uh, let's get ready. So there was this article that came out uh, by BBC that was saying that the hit songwriters are asking pop stars to stop taking credit for songs that they didn't write. It's a really interesting article. This is one of those articles that I could really see somebody posting just because of the headline and not actually reading it. But if you read it. It's really fascinating what they're talking about. They're not really saying like, hey, Dua Lipa, can you please not take credit for my work? What they're saying is is there's this actually really bad uh, situation in the music industry where I believe the terminology that they used is change a word, get a third. And this was something that was popularized by Elvis where what he would do was his managers told him, hey, if you change, get in there, and have the songwriter give you the finished song, change one word. It doesn't matter what the word is, but you change the word, I can negotiate a third of the writing credit, and then you will always get a third of those royalties from now on. So that is a practice that still goes on today. I'm not saying Dua Lipa does this, by the way. I I don't know, you know, there's not like a great list of like, oh, here's who does it. I'm not trying to drag her name. But it's apparently enough of an issue that these songwriters are saying this. Hey, you know, what these pop stars are able to do is they get merch, they get uh, concert sales, and they have these record deals that are supposed to account for these things. And then these songwriters, there was an example of one songwriter who wrote a hit song, and I believe she ended up getting paid, I think it was $300. No, she earned $100 for co-writing a track for Kylie Minogue on her uh, number one album, Disco. So there are all these examples in the article, super interesting, but they're basically, the whole article kind of ends with, there's this group of songwriters who have kind of banded together to kind of create like a union of songwriters to try and combat these things of saying like, hey, if you didn't truly help us write the song, we don't think it's fair you get credit in the song so dave go i think that's totally valid if you know what's that what's that saying if you give them an inch they'll take a mile yeah i think you know that's what we're seeing here is that these songwriters are are getting screwed in that way because they're not the famous people so then the counter argument could be well nobody would have heard your song if i didn't sing it so that's how the ball starts to roll where they get away with it for so long I'm glad that people are starting to speak up about it and say, change a word, get a third. That's that's such bullshit. Um, when you're dealing with songwriting credits, that's a huge part of the release of a song and the monetary aspect of it. Songwriters make, I think, most of the money from a single. And so when that stuff gets taken away from these people who do that for a career, that's really messed up. It makes me think of uh, Zach Brown let this band cover chicken fried i think it was his big one of his biggest singles and they he said you can cover this song but don't release it as a single and the band were on this record label that uh this this guy named joe galani owns or something i think that's his name and he was like this is the single and they were like well zach brown's song and he told us not to release it he was like i don't care we're going to release it and so they did and he heard it zach brown heard that song on the radio for the first time uh, without knowing that it was going to be released. So he went to fight this guy and was like, hey, take that song off the radio. Like, I'm going to get a cease and desist. And the guy was like, if you do this, you'll never work in in Nashville. You'll never have a career. And then this uh, Alan Jackson's um, label owner 
went to see Zach Brown at a show, and he's like, I just wanted to come and meet the guy that told, told Joe Galani to fuck off. So sometimes it pays off when you fight the, the powers that be, but it definitely doesn't all the time, and these people are getting screwed. It's, it's extremely infuriating. Yeah, I, I, I think <laughs> it's, it's, a, it's, a, it's a very fucked up situation. I think the first thing that I really want to say is that you shouldn't necessarily blame the artists, right? Um, so there, there's mention in the in the article about like bully tactics and stuff like that. I would be willing to bet a lot of those artists are also being bullied to be put in those situations where it's like change a word and then we can get you credit and not pay them. We don't want to pay these fucking songwriters. You're the one we're, that we're taking care of here, and it benefits us way more to deal with you instead of them. I'm sure that there's some bullshit there. That's the first thing. The second thing that I immediately think of is we are dealing with, I mean, we've talked about this so many times, but we are really in this new age of trying to solve how people get proper rights, how copyright exists, how all this stuff exists for music, right? So a, a scenario that I propose is, let's say um, this songwriter writes this song, okay? This this, this small songwriter writes this, uh, not small, but like a, 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 an unknown songwriter writes a pop song. They get full credit for that pop song. Uh, someone decides to sue over that. That small pop, that small songwriter who wrote this hit is now going to get the brunt of that fucking lawsuit. Um, because also we don't have really a standard again for like what music copyright looks like and how you can sue over X, Y, and Z. And if you change a word, I mean, it's like, it's all these little tiny things that are these, these minute little, like whatever. In the ideal scenario, you write a song, you're a part of it, and you just get the credit. No matter what is changed, you're part of the process, right? So therefore you, but that's just not how the music industry works. Um, to play like a little bit, a little bit of an annoying person here, because I just, I just kind of <laughs> have to, right? So um, uh, Dave, uh, what's the name of the woman who uh, starred in Wicked? Uh, Adina Menzel? Great. Who wrote Wicked? Um, oh man, I've been watching so much Glee. I should know this. Right, Lin but you Manuel don't. Well, Miranda. No. Um, yeah, he's the only person. <laughs> I can't remember. <laughs> okay, this is this is the the parallel that I will always kind of approach, especially when it comes to pop music, which is heavily vocal based. Right, we're talking about like singers here, singers, and sorry to all my singers out there. Majority of the time, don't write their own fucking music they perform. Singers became famous for performing in operas, in musicals. They, perf they became famous by performing other people's music. So luckily, in classical era, you know, the composers were famous, and it was hard to become a famous singer. But nowadays, it's much more popular to become a famous singer versus a famous composer or famous writer. So what we're looking at in that regard is we're looking at Okay, cool. So you can write an entire musical, and I don't know your name, and it's one of the biggest musicals of all time. But Idina Menzel and Kristen Chenoweth, you guys have careers for life. You know, right? It's a really weird, it's a really weird system that's been set up for singers. It's very strange. They don't have to. I mean, they put in a lot of work. I don't want to say they have to. They don't have to put in any work. But yeah, I mean, they they just have a different craft. But the thing is, is that they, I mean, like you know, the person who wrote it gives it to them. And then they perform it. And I'm sure it's beautiful from the perspective of the person who wrote it, right? It's like, oh my God, you performed what I wrote in this amazing way. But also, Stephen Schwartz does not get any fucking love or attention from most people. Only the people who starred in Wicked get that attention, right? Right, yeah, that would kind of be like uh, me giving credit to my my Fender Precision bass. <laughs> <laughs> Can I censor that out for you, Dave? <laughs> Man, that would sound great. My <laughs> p word. <laughs> oh my god! I, I think the uh, the whole thing here is. Uh, by the way, the person that I was referring to earlier, who only made a hundred pounds off of writing a track for Kylie Minogue, her name is Fiona Bevan. She's also written for One Direction and Louis Capaldi. She was quoted as saying, "And I, I hear what you're saying, Hagen, but I think." what we're talking about is what should things be? I don't think we should really settle for less. You should always strive for what things should be. 
Yeah. And then we'll figure it out from there. But what she is quoted in the article is saying, the most successful songwriters in the world can't pay their rent. Right now, hit songwriters are driving Ubers, and it's quite shameful. So I think that's kind of what they're... I mean, you shouldn't take people's names off of... to take their writing credits away. We're not saying that, but they definitely should be paid fairly for these. Because, I mean, without these people, you're not going to have those sold-out tours. You're not going to have these careers. I mean, I'm not trying to shit talk any of these performers, but they're performers. They're not writers. And that's totally okay. Yeah. I mean, and also there's enough for everybody. There's enough money for everybody. It's just, there's a couple of greedy people that don't want to give it out. Well, and it's, it's, it's one of those things where you want to keep your artist happy. So even if that artist, you know, I mean, we talked about it with Britney Spears. I mean, she was put in a lot of shitty situations, but like, I mean, she was, she was rich from those shitty situations, right? You want to keep your artist as in 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 good situation in, in you know in good graces as possible, right? Right. So, uh I mean, there's there there's a lot of things. I mean, there are I mean, performance credits exist. I mean, that 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 sound, that seems like one of the first steps to me is just like adjust how credits are done for the like for the the artist, you know? Make the artist a performer in, in, instead of just a performer instead of a songwriter, you know? Uh but I, I don't know. It, there, there, there's hopefully this kind of sets new precedents and sets new rules for how certain things should go. Well, now that we've gotten Dave all primed, Dave, do you want to talk about the real thing that you're gonna definitely get uh, upset about? Yeah, it was this this guy named Jeff Slate uh, wrote an article, basically saying what's what's the headline of the article? Where is it? Paul Simon sold his catalog to Sony for millions, and he'll still end up a historical footnote to Bob Dylan. So what he's saying is that Paul Simon's career really means nothing. The first paragraph is, the best day of Paul Simon's life may have just been uh, December 7th. That was the day it was announced that Bob Dylan, Simon's longtime Columbia Records label mate, had sold his catalog of songs to the universal publishing group Columbia's rival. So his, his point is that History doesn't remember the small people. It remembers the biggest ones. So we might remember the Beatles and, and um, you know, Bob Dylan, but we're not going to remember Paul Simon. And I saw uh, people arguing like, well, I mean, we really don't know what history is going to remember in 200 years. But that's also not enough of an argument for Paul Simon. If you look at his streaming and stuff like that he was a part of his own solo project and he was a part of simon and garfunkel and he has credits in other people's songs like writing songs for other people i mean his biggest hits are like bridge over troubled water that's going to be a song that's remembered for a long time i would argue that that's up there possibly with like imagine uh the sound of silence that's been re re-recorded disturbed did their version of it and had a you know it brought it up even though it's i don't like it uh, still crazy <laughs> after all these years could be an example of how to write good songs. And like, you can call me Al is a great song. His Graceland record did a lot for foreign countries trying to get careers in, you know, the bigger picture where he went to, I forget where he went, but he went to a different country to record. I think it might've been Africa or something to record with that, with a band from there and got all of those guys careers. I mean, he's, he's a global star chances are he's laid enough groundwork to be remembered in 200 years. But you can't say he's going to be just a footnote. What's weird about this, and it should be noted, and I'm sure our listeners can already deduce this, but this is an opinion piece. It's an NBC right. opinion piece. This is this guy's opinion, which he's definitely entitled to. But if you read the article, it just reads to me of like, you know, I, I don't know how old the guy is, but some like, you know, he, he just is coming off as kind of an edge lord of saying like, yeah, well, I like Bob Dylan better. It's kind of like a weird folk Beatles versus Stone thing. And people got really up in arms about it. And I think it's because, you know, we're seeing, as we've detailed in this show, a lot of these uh, big legacy acts or legacy names who are selling their catalogs and you know, people are, I guess, have mixed emotions about that. And then when you have somebody who says, hey, Paul Simon ain't 
hot shit, then people are really worked up about it. Well, you also kind of threw Neil Young and um, Stevie Nicks in the same realm as, as Paul Simon. And yeah, it's just, I get that it's an opinion piece and maybe this is the intent of the opinion piece to get fans of Paul Simon's riled up, but yeah, it's whatever it was, it worked. It's definitely intended to upset people and generate clicks because that it just seems like that's his only point is that, oh, I want to be controversial. Right. <laughs> well, I think he could have gotten a, the author of this article. I think he could have gotten a, he probably had a good point in there and then it got a little muddied by you know his actual opinion on oh well dylan is more important to history i mean i just i I think you know he could have probably said what he was saying in a less emotional way and i'm not saying he should have to do that but i mean when you call some an artist like this you know a small fry you're gonna ruffle some feathers i mean it would be like if i said oh yeah i don't really know any rolling stone songs so like they suck and the Beatles rule. People right. are going to get upset about that. I know a very specific basis of a, you know, <laughs> blues rock band who would get very mad at me for saying that. <laughs> well, and uh, this guy that I've mentioned before on the show, Rick Beato, he brought up a good point about Bach. And he was like, these, uh, Bach wasn't known as well as he is now when he was alive. He died, I guess he died poor, he was saying. And it was his composer, it was his the people that came after him that, gave him his career and his resurgence and made him more popular now than he ever was when he was alive. So first, first of all, how can we even see what history is going to be like in 200 years? And that's everywhere. I mean, that's in uh, literature. I think it was Jane Austen who I don't think she really was famous until after she died. And then you have it all the time with artists. I mean, like, and I'm talking about like uh, painters and stuff like that. I mean, that's just the name of the game sometimes for art. So, yeah, this uh, this whole idea that we know what history is going to be like in 100 years, will these, uh, you know, corporations that are, like, sucking up all these uh, music catalogs right now be the only thing people refer to? Who knows? But, yeah, uh, Dave, thanks for getting worked up with us. Ugh. Um, Ugh. um. Um, can I can, can I uh, do a thing that we didn't talk about doing before we talk about what we're listening to? Yeah. All right. Great. I'm super excited about this. Um, I, I this happened this morning, and I, I you know I thought about it uh, all day if I was going to bring it up, and uh, I, I think I'm going to bring it up. And uh, uh, for for those who don't follow the Foo Fighters on any platform, you would have missed that Dave Grohl released a song with Mick Jagger, um, and. Uh, it's it's really exciting to see Dave Grohl write a song with Mick Jagger. I mean, that's like there's there's a lot of like clear energy there in the video and the song. Um, it's called Easy Sleazy, but here's the thing about the song that I want to talk about. <laughs> and uh, <laughs> it, uh, uh, Dave, did you listen to it? Did you listen to the song? No, I didn't hear it. Oh man, I'm gonna give you big time spoilers. Adam, did you listen I to it? I didn't know this was a thing. So all right, big time spoilers, baby. What the so, fuck? You're not gonna ask me. I know you didn't listen to it. Um, so <laughs> <laughs> the Vulture article that I have pulled up is the, ty- the, the, the name of the article is just how bad are the lyrics to Mick Jagger and Dave Grawl's Easy Sleazy. That's the name of the song, Easy Sleazy. Oh, no. So, I, I, you know, I'm going to read I'm going to read the lyrics because I feel as though I want everyone to, to know what they're getting into before they listen to two rock legends play a song welcome to don't feed the artists we do record to a click (laughs) we took it on the chin the numbers were so grim bossed around by pricks stiffened upper lips pacing in the yard you're trying to take the mick you must think i'm really thick looking at the graphs with a magnifying glass cancel all the tours Footballs, fake applause. No more travel brochures, virtual premieres. I've got nothing left to wear. That's a pretty mask, but never take a chance. TikTok, stupid dance. Took a samba class. I landed on my ass, trying to write a tune. You better hook me up to Zoom. (laughs) See my Ponzi books? Teach myself to cook. Way too much TV. It's lobotomizing me. Think I've put on weight. 
I'll have another drink. Then I'll clean the kitchen sink. Shooting the vaccine. Bill Gates is in my bloodstream. It's mind control. The earth is flat and cold. It's never warming up. The Arctic's turned to slush. The second, the second coming's late, and there's aliens in the deep state. There you go. <laughs> I almost threw up in my mouth a little bit. <laughs> it's so bad. It's so bad. Jackson, I, you looked like you were you were at like a Shakespeare premiere. Yeah, I, I took myself to the Globe Theater, and I was just like, ah, cheap seats and all. I was one of the people. <laughs> And it's called, what's the name of the song? Easy Sleazy. Easy Sleazy. So I, uh, for some reason, it wasn't in that, um, that, that article. I'm trying to find it. There's a line where he basically describes like his, like being in your house is like a prison. And I, I was like, oh yeah, here it is. Uh, looking out from these prison walls. I'm like, dude, come on, man. Like you don't, you, you don't get to do that. <laughs> Did you like it? I, I, so I was like, oh man, this is rocking. And then I listened to what he was saying and I was like, I can't, I cannot finish this song. I, I just cannot <laughs> like, like, like there, there's, there's some really cool, like it's, I mean, it's a straight rock and roll song. Dave Grohl, Mick Jagger. It's a great duo. The lyrics are total dick. Like, like I, I hate using this term. I, it's not like, I, I don't understand why it's a term, but it's the only thing that I can use to describe it properly. It's fucking dog water. It's so bad. It's like, it's just the worst. Um, I, you know, I made fun of Ellen in my head and probably out loud when she said that, you know, she said the complaint about being in her mansion or whatever, but I don't know how much traveling she does, but I do know how much traveling Dave Grohl and Mick Jagger have done and continue to do. And so maybe I could see them referencing their homes as prison walls, but still that's a stretch. And it's just because I'm fans of those people that I'm trying to justify it. Yeah. It's, it's easier to understand at least in that context. It's easier to understand in that context, but like, dude, come on! Yeah. Like, you do Still you have bad. any idea what other people have gone through during this pandemic? And you're Mick Jagger comparing your house to prison walls? What? Oh, yeah. it's so in bad who taste. Don't have to worry about their next month's rent or anything like that. They're they're set. Yeah. They have money. They don't need to work for the year, and it's okay. I mean, they might have yeah. some problems, but they can take out a loan because they're you know fucking Dave Grohl, right? So well. Well, go listen to the song. I, I I suggest just listening to thirty seconds and then stopping, cause uh, it's 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 a rocking tune, and then you get real upset and that's, angry at these two so people weird. that that's I a, love. This is the thing. Yeah, it we're, really we're riled is. up, boy. <laughs> With that, I will. Uh, I you know, I will take us into our favorite segment, our our best moments. It really it really um, speaks to the art of the podcast this moment this this section right now hey listen i'll go ahead and kick us off it's been an easy breezy week here at the russo household and what i've been listening to is really just i've been going on a bender listening to regina specter and not a specific record but all of her records it's just been a good time for me if you've never listened to regina specter who are you? What's wrong with you? And why haven't you? Get in there. She's an amazing songwriter. Can I ask if you have a favorite record? Um, I would say it's the one with the 80s star one. What's that one called? Now I got to look it up. You put me on the spot. Sorry. It's like her like fourth record or something like that. I, I really, you know. What I'm we saw from the cheap seats. What I'm we definitely saw. a fan of Begin to Hope, but I think think it's not what we saw from the cheap sheets far that's the okay. record that I, I think just uh i think i would agree with a lot of people will say that dance anthem of the 80s is her bohemian rhapsody it really i think is probably her best song writing is that song uh but the whole record just it does it well the song, the song "Wallet" on that album still gets stuck in my head randomly. Just any any day of the week, that that album is is pure joy. It's amazing. Yeah. So Regina Spector is just wonderful. It's been a very relaxing listen, but also she can be really creative. So it's uh, 
great to hear that kind of thing, especially someone on piano when I listen to such guitar-heavy music. It's good to get my brain out of there. That's all I've been listening to. Uh, I've been listening to um, this album called Sad Hunk by an artist called Bahamas. It came out last year. It's really, really, really interesting music. Um, he's a he's a singer-songwriter, and I found out that he's actually from Canada, but he plays with a lot of people from L.A., and this is just a really fun record to listen to. There's some slower songs, but there's some really upbeat songs. I was kind of blindsided by it. So, yeah, check it out. It's really good. I have been listening to my my, my favorite baby boy, Briston Maroney's debut LP. Um, he's put out singles and, and EPs, and I've talked about them before on the show but he put out his finally his debut LP called Sunflower on Friday and wow is it wonderful it's just like a an indie emo dream it's he put it out on Friday and it's called Sunflower i just just for the record cuz you said he put it out on sun he oh. put it out Sunflower on Friday so it sounded like the record's name is Sunflower on Friday Oh, sorry, sorry. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, it's it it's it's so good. Um, and to just like you know, just really just make me really just that much more heated. You know, we're all looking to go back to shows soon and see our favorite artists. And uh, Briston um, announced some more tour dates. He's had some tour dates announced, and he announced some more with uh, Mount Joy as the headliner. And I've kind of been getting into Mount Joy recently, and. Um, you know, they're coming to Dallas together in October and they're coming to Dallas on my mother fucking wedding date. And <laughs> holy shit. <laughs> That's not what I expected. I've, I have heard Hagen use the term indie bullshit more times in my life than I've heard anyone combined use that word or term. And to hear him say, I've been getting into Mount Joy is the most indie bullshit thing I've ever heard. Dude, I know it's wrong. I don't know what's happened to me, but something's happening. I don't know what it is. Uh, maybe this is the, the quarter-life crisis everyone talks about. Maybe this is uh, I, I maybe this is like puberty part two or something. I don't know. Uh, but yeah, Mount, I, 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 I like their last album they put out. It's, it's pretty good. It's pretty good. Yeah, I was listening to the new the that same record, the Briston record, in the kitchen while I was making breakfast the other day, and my wife was like, this is emo. <laughs> I'm listening to Regina Spector, and you guys are listening to emo. I, this fucking sucks. Give me a Lemmy bullet. <laughs> I'm not. I'm not here with emo music this week. I'm sorry. Adam, save us. Been listening to a Chicago funk and soul band called Fat Night, um, that had an album come out last year. Uh, found it on Bandcamp, and it's great. Big fan of that already, and uh, also been listening to Bell Orchestra, which is a kind of instrumental band affiliated with arcade fire that hasn't put anything out since 2009 and they had an album come out last week or two weeks ago uh so i've been listening to that and enjoying that too which makes me excited for a new arcade fire album at some point but i don't know when that is yeah let's cross our fingers for that i I said i would never do this but man um it's just got to be mentioned but sufjan stevens announced his upcoming ninth record did we we already talked about this in the group chat but it is a five album. It's like a five part record and each part has 10 songs on it. So 50 songs, it's five volumes and it is called Convocations. It's coming out soon, but he's been releasing it part by part. Like he's already released, I think two of them and I've listened to it and it's all instrumental. It's just crazy. It's basically like this really long score it's actually really good, but it's just fucking nuts that he is now releasing that. And apparently what happened is his uh, biological father passed away and he wrote this and it's supposed to be the five stages of grief. Each record is supposed to represent um, what he went through. And I just, I just have to say it. It sounds like he liked his biological father more than he liked his biological mother. Because when she <laughs> passed away, she got one record. It's an amazing record, one of the greatest of the decade, if not more. But he's getting five records? Wow. Well, we don't know. He's been known to say he's going to do things, and it ends up being a PR stunt. 
no, it's finished. Like it is, it's in the books. He's been releasing records. Like there, it's coming out like every week. He's releasing a record, one of the five records, and then they're all going to be out on the last um, day on May sixth. Not like, um, not like he listens to this. But Jacob Collier, you got some catching up to do, buddy. Jesse Volume Three. Get fucking Jesse Volume 5, motherfucker. You have nothing on Sufjan Stevens. <laughs> Except for Grammy nominations. Uh, well, multiple Grammys. He, multiple, has, yeah. he has Grammys and uh, and nominations that he that he hasn't won. He's, right. uh, yeah, 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 yeah. But, you know, aside from that, nothing. You have nothing. <laughs> uh, <laughs> you tripled down on it. Um, cool. Well, uh, so uh, anybody else have anything they want to add? Do you guys want to go in on the Phoebe Bridgers guitar that sold for $100,000? No. Nope. I'm good. It's fair. I heard it's broken. <laughs> God. <laughs> you know, I could actually go off on a different rant about that, but I will do that um, after the recording. So uh, thank you guys so much. Thank you guys so much for being here and uh, and listening and being here with us. We really appreciate it. Uh, you know, if you haven't pressed that subscribe button or that follow button on whatever app you are listening or whatever website, go ahead and press that button for us. We really appreciate it. It helps us a lot. Same thing if you're on the Apple Podcast app and you can leave a little five-star review. That sure does help us out a, 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 a lot. It's great. Thank you so much. Uh, <laughs> a shoot ton. Um, a shoot ton. Uh, and, uh, if you're on social media, you can find us on all of your socials, you know, uh, uh, not TikTok, unless Jackson started that and didn't tell us. Uh, but you know, Oh, uh, maybe there's a TikTok. uh, DFTA podcast. Don't be the artist. Just look it up. We're there somewhere. Um, hit that follow button. So thank you again so much for being here. We really appreciate it and fuck off. Give me a towel. Sheesh. Welcome to Don't Feed the Artist, the only podcast that records to a click. <laughs> I was Is that in the recording? That. I'm no. still recording. <laughs> Adam's still All recording. All right. <laughs>